Welcome to China Biz Talk by Baiguan. This is Robert Wu. The past week is very dramatic for the whole world. The roller coaster events at OpenAI are simply jaw dropping. In this part of the world, Taiwan elections have also seen and supposedly unprecedented alliance between leading opposition groups, only to be shattered within 48 hours after announcement. In the meantime, a groundbreaking event also occurred in the crypto world. World's largest crypto exchange, Binance, and its CEO CZ Zhao pleads guilty to U.S. Department of Justice for violating anti-money laundering laws and pay a whopping four billion U.S. dollar penalty. What does this event mean for crypto? Today we're having Raymond Huang, a Hong Kong-based serial entrepreneur. Raymond's career spanned from investment banking, management roles at internet companies, and starting his own cross-border e-commerce company. Now Raymond runs a Hong Kong-based crypto fund named Mars Capital, which specializes in liquid token investment. Let's welcome Raymond. Hi, Raymond. Could you give us a brief intro of yourself? Thank you for having me, Robert. Uh, so my name is Raymond. Um, so previously I came from a traditional finance background. I was a previous investment banker in um, Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that, I fell in love with China internet companies. So I joined a uh, internet company called Mobu, which is a fashion and lifestyle e-commerce company. Mm-hmm. So I helped them get listed, and then I start my own e-commerce venture. Before I switch myself to doing crypto full time.、Mm-hmm. So basically, that's just my short version of my personal experience from traditional investment banking to internet startup and now to crypto trading. So、right. now I run a small hedge fund doing crypto liquid tokens. What got you into crypto? What's the thing that got you from out of the world of e-commerce to the crypto? Yeah, it, actually, it was not really related to the e-commerce part. It was more about the technology part. So previous, I was doing like internet investment banking and all that, right? So I I had a lot of friends who are interested in the you know the the tech of blockchain technology.、Mm-hmm. Then Bitcoin was I guess the the digital gold that popped up back then in two thousand fourteen fifteen. So that was a long time ago.、Mm-hmm. And then I kind of appreciate the idea of having an alternative currency, alternative financial system as a plan B to the U.S. dollar system.、Mm-hmm. But back then it was very small and it was not really a consensus. I think I developed my interest in 2020 and 2021.、Yeah. There was an event called DeFi Summer in crypto space.、Yeah. It's called Decentralized Finance Summer. So basically, that was the summer. A lot of DeFi protocols pop up and become mainstream adoption. At least within the crypto space,、yeah. and a lot of technology innovation happened there using crypto, using blockchain technology, smart contract language to solve a lot of financial problems, which are the problems I was trying to solve. Back in banking days,、mm-hmm. so I think that was actually really cool. Then I, you know, I jump into the rabbit hole of that. Right. Talking about traditional finance industry,、uh, actually, at the day of this recording,、uh, we just received a big news that Department of Justice in the U.S.、Um, they got、uh, CZ of Binance、yeah. uh, pleading guilty,、mm-hmm. and there was this massive. More than four billion USD of settlement money.、Uh, I'm not really familiar with the crypto world. This settlement seems pretty large. Actually, larger than I can imagine. It got me wonder how large do you think is the annual profit of Binance anyway? 
I mean, they do seem to be pretty rich. To pay off this, yeah, this is like speeding ticket for them. Right? Okay. It's not a big deal for well, or it's a big deal for Binance in many sense, but I think mm-hmm. the money is probably the this this of all these problems. Right. Um, so so Binance uh, is not a public company, so it does not disclose its financials. A few angles we can actually trying to triangulate the the annual profit for this company. One is the BNB token. So BNB is a token available to trade in the crypto exchanges. Right. Uh, it represents. And I guess it's a representation of ownership of mm. so BNB token has an annual burn system. Mm. So they will use a certain part of the profit, annual mm. profit, to burn the token. Mm. So the burning of the token is effectively mathematical representation of the annual profit. Right. So that roughly implied they are they are burning roughly two billion dollar of the token on annual basis. So and that's roughly twenty percent of the total profit. Mm. So if that burning mechanism is right. We are looking at the ten billion profit, annual Binance, profit, annual profit wow. of Binance last year. Wow! So apparently, a lot of people also also question the transparency of this burning mechanism. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it may not be ten billion, right? Mm-hmm. It may not be ten billion. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that if when Binance, uh, fought with the DOJ, mm-hmm. um, in their settlement room, okay, mm-hmm. I'm sure they 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 say they don't make that much money, <laughs> right? Right. But but previously on the BNB system, uh, it's it's showing, uh, a ten billion dollar profit. Right. Uh, and I personally do not really agree with that number, um, but based on some other sources, we are hearing uh, the numbers should be from one billion to multi billion. Right. So I, I think maybe in the ballpark of like three to five, it should be very safe guess of the annual profit. So the four billion fine is roughly maybe two quarter or at most one year profit of BNB of Binance. Wow. Exchanges, crypto exchange seems like a great business. Money printer. Wow. Yes. Okay. Well, what does what does this thing, this event, tell us about what U.S. regulators are thinking about crypto right now? What's their stance? What does that show? Uh, so it shows a few things, right? Number mm-hmm. one, U.S. regulators are actually coming hard at this um, these crypto exchanges. It could be Coinbase, it could be Binance, it could be any any of these uh, exchanges, right? Uh, they, they, I think they just had another announcement um, regarding uh, Kraken as well, saying mm-hmm. like Kraken listed some illegal uh, securities and all that. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely coming after all these exchanges. Mm-hmm. One, so that's that directional is very clear. Uh, they will try to find the bad guys to to punish, mm-hmm. especially after the FTX um, incident last year. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. regulators are actually picking up the game to to come after all these exchanges. Mm-hmm. Two. At the same time, they also show very, I guess they're very, very sensitive to the market movement. Right? Mm-hmm. So they choose to have this settlement, right? And the, instead of other form of punishment, and uh, like arresting, yeah, yeah it, it was a proper settlement. Right. I'm sure there was there was a lot of negotiation behind it, under the table, behind the door that we don't know about. But I think this entire settlement is actually quite decent. So it shows that the DOJ or the U.S. regulators are actually not. Trying to crash the market, mm-hmm. okay. They are not trying to destroy the industry. Instead, they basically just let Binance to run with a new CEO, and everything's fine. So that's something I think is is a good news to the industry. And number three, if you look at the entire industry, right, a, a lot of different exchanges are actually getting litigations here and there. Um, yeah. Different players have different five act plan. For example, Coinbase is actually suing SEC. For its inaction to provide clear legal guidance, <laughs> uh, okay. so it's very interesting to see an industry player 
to sue its own regulator. <laughs> and that's also because in the U.S., the who can actually regulate crypto is unclear. Right. Sometimes it's treated as commodity, so it's under CFTC. Sometimes it's treated as securities, then it's under SEC. So in Binance case, the the charge was they failed to comply with the I guess the highest standard of the U.S. AML anti-money laundry law, which enable Binance to finance Iran, North Korea, Cuba, and certain part of Russia, all these sanctioned countries and areas. So right. that was the crime they commit AML, right? And about four other exchanges, they all have different things to, to deal with, the different regulators. So the regulatory environment in U.S. is actually it's not very clear. Uh, back to your question, the stance as different regulators have very different views. So yeah, the game we are fighting now. So subscribers and readers of Baiguan are mostly foreign investors and business owners, CEOs who pay special attention to China or Chinese communities. When we talk about crypto and especially crypto exchanges, I've always found this very interesting phenomenon that actually a lot of Exchanges and and some of the largest exchanges like Binance, for example, and also some other exchanges, especially after the FTX collapse, right now were mostly owned, founded, operated by either Chinese or ethnic Chinese. Have you ever wondered why? Yeah, I was also very confused when I because the first exchange I used was actually Coinbase. Right. <laughs> so I guess that was actually a natural choice for me back then. But now, if you look at the market share, uh, number one apparently is Binance. Binance took up almost fifty percent of the market share, and then followed by uh, OK Coinbase, Huobi, um, Bybit, BigEd, and all that. Right.、Um, basically, you can roughly conclude that seventy percent of the crypto market share are controlled by ethnic Chinese. Right. Uh, Canadian Chinese, American Chinese, or Taiwanese Chinese, or whatever. So the the Singaporean,、right. like all the different things. Right. So it's the same thing. So、uh, the I think there are a few reasons behind that. Right. N- number one, historically, community、um, within the the Bitcoin miner community is actually very very big. So a lot of early adopters, a lot of miners were Chinese.、Mm. Um. In two thousand thirteen, fourteen. That was before the the ban. On on the mining in China, right? Yeah, that was for the ban, right? Of 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 mining in China.、Mm-hmm. So basically, the Chinese crypto and and Bitcoin miners represent the first batch of Chinese crypto adopters, and they were super rich. They like to trade, they like to buy, you know, ICOs here and there. So they were the first adopters of these crypto assets, and subsequently, the first investors or heavy users of these crypto exchanges. So naturally, these Chinese exchanges will actually do better than the others. Right.、Uh, that's one. And two, we also see that Chinese、um, exchanges are actually probably working harder in terms of、uh, operation. <laughs> How? In what way? For example, they are actually very dedicated to have this what we call op- operational excellence. Okay. So, what、um, does that mean? So basically, you need to run crypto exchange. For example, you run Binance. In 180 countries, I believe Binance has expressions in 180, 170 countries. Wow! So in each different country, you need to have a different language, different operational system. You have local champion to do trading competition here and there, working with local pop stars to do some campaign, run things here and there, Twitter space in different language, working with local regulators, working with local media and all that. So this is actually very very difficult and labor intensive job. 
So it's called operational excellence. Is that how you can get all these details right in hundred plus countries in last three years?、Mm-hmm. So that's really amazing achievement. And another part is the engineering part. So exchange is very difficult to run. It has a lot of engineering difficulties because you are trading all these funny currencies, and at the same time, and the investors coming from different backgrounds, and there could be a lot of hackers coming after your exchange too.、Mm. So to make sure that your exchange is safe, it's very difficult. The previous batch of exchanges all failed because of hacking risk,、mm. not because of they misplace、uh, clients' money like FTX. Right. So the first generation, like、uh, like MT、uh, Gox, that one was actually hacked. So the exchange just like disappeared, just melt away.、Mm. Um, but for Binance, OK, Huobi, all these exchanges, they need to have the technology know-how to keep the exchange up and running. So that's、mm. actually quite a challenging part in terms of、uh, engineering. Yeah. Got it. So you had also experience with starting your own cross-border e-commerce company. Did, at that time, did you feel there's also this kind of difference between, say, the Chinese entrepreneurs and the and the the, the say the American one, the non-Chinese one, in in terms of that? Do you think that Chinese entrepreneurs also have this kind of operational excellence in general? I actually think that's probably the biggest difference between China and the U.S.、Mm-hmm. So, for example, right,、uh, Uber was probably the only company starting U.S. That actually has very strong emphasis on operations. Right. So they do have launches in different cities because it's very、mm-hmm. offline business.、Mm-hmm. But for all other U.S. companies, Facebook,、um, Twitter,、um, Instagram, all these companies, they're very light. Right. Light in a way they have like hundred employees. They start an app and、yeah. people use it and they、mm-hmm. charge, you know, buy with ads revenue.、Mm-hmm. So it's actually very simple business.、Mm-hmm. They just start a software. Yeah. But for a lot of offline business like DoorDash or like Uber, is actually local operation heavy、uh, companies.、Mm. Uh, I think we don't see very strong international expansion.、Um, Uber being one of the exemptions,、mm-hmm. and、uh, all other U.S. companies are pretty much like very light companies. Right.、Uh, Chinese companies on the other side, you can see Meituan and maybe Shuyin as well, and、uh, also a lot of other companies actually very much focus on operations. Because the operation labor in China is cheaper,、mm. and the the result, the return the ROI for hiring these people and training them and making them to do the results, is more I guess it's it has higher ROI.、Right. So that's why people do that for these Chinese tech companies. So we talk about the Chinese policy or ban on crypto on mining. A few years ago, right? What has changed over the last couple of years, like two or three years? Is there any change in terms of China's official stance on this that you have observed? No, no, really. So basically, we need to look at this two sides, right? So there's a greater China, right? We look at so mainland China, Hong Kong, right? Now actually adopting very different policies.、Mm-hmm. So mainland China still ban crypto, like everything, all the things, the everything crypto, yes, right. Chinese government is、uh, Beijing government、mm-hmm. has some focus here and there, like on the blockchain adoption, right? For like、uh, digital IMB and all that, right? But it's not really the crypto crypto that we talk about. What's、right? the difference there? I, I always wonder. So basically, that one is actually just using a blockchain technology to as a ledger system.、Mm-hmm. So if you use、um, digital IMB and you digital IMB 
transfer every single transaction is traceable. Mm-hmm. So if you if you RMB go to someone else and effectively you go to a criminal mm-hmm. uh, and that you may be involved in an investigation, so it's mm-hmm. easier to investigate this and how a flow of money, mm-hmm. as the, the media always say, follow the money. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to follow the money in that sense, right? Because the traditional the monetary policy doesn't track all these transactions as closely as the crypto as the blockchain system. So that's that's one that's blockchain technology, right? But but when we talk about crypto in general, we talk about crypto as an asset class, as a system, as a plan B to the US dollar system. Mm. So effectively, you can issue your tokens anytime, anywhere, freely. Mm. Right? So effectively, you can issue your shares anytime, right. anywhere, to anyone. Mm. So that's actually fundamental different. And the two, the, the crypto space we talk about usually involve like crypto exchanges which are basically 100% banned in China. Mm-hmm. So that that's stays that way. I see. Uh, mining too, like P, uh, POW, proof of work, uh, Bitcoin mining are banned in China as well. Um, however, on the other side, uh, in Hong Kong, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have heard that Hong Kong become a very major player in crypto space mm-hmm. over the last, um, I think since 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably because, you know, 2020, 2020 and 2021, was actually a good year for Singapore. Mm-hmm. Singapore actually, you know, got a lot of these uh, crypto exchanges to get headquartered there. Mm-hmm. Okay, then Hong Kong was uh, catching up in 22 and 23. Mm-hmm. So this apparently come from a sign off from Beijing government. Beijing is okay for Hong Kong to proceed based on one, Hong Kong needs to maintain its international financial center status. Uh-huh. Okay, so uh, crypto is a huge asset class. Its liquidity is huge. Oh, okay, let me give you one number. Mm-hmm. So there was, a, I believe, an administrative report from one of the Hong Kong government, I think HKMA, one of Hong Kong Monetary Authority officials. So the saying was, one, the average daily trading volume on Binance is four times bigger than the entire Hong Kong Stock Exchange combined. Wow. Four times bigger. Wow. So, and Binance is only one exchange. Right. Despite its 50% market share. So the total crypto exchange is roughly eight or ten times bigger than right. Hong Kong stock exchange. So how can any global financial center, I guess, or any city with global financial center ambition, willing to give up the crypto space, right? So yeah, that's why point. the Hong Kong government actually reached out to Beijing and say, "Can I do this?" And Beijing say, "Yes, go ahead. Green light, go ahead." Mm-hmm. Uh, and meanwhile, strategically, Hong Kong can also provide a different alternative system to the mainland China policy mm-hmm. and uh, get all the crypto talent, crypto exchanges, crypto investors in Hong Kong. So it's the benefit of one China, two systems mechanism, right? right? So we can do both and we don't miss out anything. So how do Chinese crypto entrepreneurs like you are reacting to, to this kind of dual track, two system regulatory regime? Yeah, so one, Doing crypto or doing like crypto mining, crypto exchanges is 100% banned in China. Right. So just don't do that in China, right. Right? in mainland China. And two, uh, Hong Kong has a lot of very good policies uh, to embrace and welcome um, players in this industry. Uh, as we can see that Hong Kong has Web3 Hong Kong, uh, Hong Kong FinTech Week, Hong Kong Blockchain Week and all that. Mm-hmm. They organize a lot of events to showcase that they welcome and love these entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening as an entrepreneur in the crypto industry, mm-hmm. you might as well move to Hong Kong or maybe at least visit Hong Kong um, sometime to check out what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that at the same time, 
China is one of the few countries in the world who are a hundred percent against crypto, and and have the power to enforce that ban. But at the same time, the Chinese people, both Chinese and ethnic Chinese, are so much into the crypto world and, and building the whole infrastructure for it. I just wonder, how large do you think is the crypto community right now in China? Yeah, this is actually a very interesting question. So there are many ways to look at it, right? So for 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 Chinese, I, th- I think uh, there's no really uh, official stats on yeah. how many people actually use crypto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the market consensus, or I guess the, the guess, tip guesstimate, is roughly twenty million people. Twenty million people in China. Yes, twenty million people in China that have, have trade, trade, okay, or use crypto before. Wow. So that's twenty million. And if you look at this number, um, the the same guesstimate for US is roughly forty to fifty million. So wow. that's almost like fifteen percent of US population. It's a much bigger number because US is easier to trade, right? You, mm-hmm. you can trade Bitcoin on Robinhood, so yeah. it's much easier to trade. Right. In China, there's no exchange that actually this this things. You know, the previous exchanges were banned. Right. So I think in China it's different. The China, China basically have twenty million people. Mm-hmm. And and if we look at this from another perspective. I guess crypto has different use cases, and Chinese are actually using this in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. A lot of countries, Turkey, Brazil, Mexico, Indonesia, Nigeria, these countries, or Vietnam, for example, these countries have much higher crypto uh, adoption or penetration rate mm-hmm. because these countries usually have higher inflation. So local citizens, local local folks need to protect the asset. So every time they get a paycheck, they transfer that to a USDC, USDT, or mm. maybe to Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, because these currencies, at least, eventually have some value. <laughs> because uh, if you you are holding Turkish lira or like maybe other currencies, your asset, your family wealth, just just disappear, right. vanish day by day. Right. So that's why the, Turkey probably has the highest crypto penetration. You can see, you know, crypto exchange doing like commercials, airport, bus station, on the M- MTR, everything. So it's actually very, very penetrated. For Chinese, we don't really need crypto because one, we have a very stable financial system. Our currency is very stable. Relatively, much stable than... Much better than the other countries. Right. We don't really need a plan B currency. So uh, unlike other countries. Mm-hmm. And the US is the same. Maybe you see the US dollar is like inflation, 5%, 10%. Mm-hmm. Oh no, check out Argentina. That's mm-hmm. nothing, right? <laughs> Argentina just elected a new president right. who wants to shut down the central bank and uh, just adopt U.S. dollar right away. Right. The reason they want to do that is because that country doesn't have a proper system um, right. to make sure the money is where it's supposed to be valued, and the, then crypto just become the plan B. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the, the crypto has multiple use cases and storage of value, yeah. value pr- protection is one of them. And the other one is speculation. Mm. So outside of Bitcoin and Ethereum, there are many other smaller people call all coins, shit coins, like whatever coins, right? Mm. These coins are actually much more risky. Mm-hmm. So they're actually more scammy right. in a way. So scammy means highly speculative, highly volatile, means that someone can make money out of it. The, the Chinese government banned crypto exchanges on this precisely because a lot of Chinese citizens actually um, fell into these scammy uh, schemes 
lost money and file complaints to the police station. They don't know what to do with it and, and all that. Right. So that's why they banned this. Right. So, so I think it was different use case for, for Chinese in, right. in the crypto space. Right. But it's also kind of shocking even to imagine there are, if we guess it correctly, 20 million people in China doing that. Yeah. Uh, despite the ban. I mean, if there is no ban, it's, it's easily maybe hundreds of millions of people who, who are trading and even speculating on, on this one. Uh, yeah, that's also the estimate, uh, people's uh, expectation for, for Bitcoin next year. Because right. we are looking at uh, Bitcoin ETF approval. Um, right. Um, um, from hopefully from SEC very soon. Right. Uh, so and the this is actually the first Bitcoin spot ETF to be approved by SEC, and it's mm -hmm. actually the applicants are Vanguard and BlackRock and all that. Uh -huh. So these are the bigger players. Right. So once this ETF is approved, we will be seeing a much bigger crypto penetration in the US mm -hmm. because people finally have can, they can use their four hundred one k pension plan to buy some crypto to buy some Bitcoin. And that's their pension money. So right. I think the penetration, the, the penetration next year is going to be much higher in the U.S. Right. Yeah. Do you think it's a pity that somehow the people in China, apart from the professionals, apart from people like you guys, but for most of the people, they're kind of insulated from this whole new world, this huge, the new asset class, this this whole new industry, like the ETF you mentioned, there's yeah. no no Chinese people are legally allowed to invest in that kind of asset, and enjoy that kind of growth. So the way Chinese government run its business is that it's not trying to make everything investable. Mm. So if we look at the, the how they uh, how China, how Beijing government how how I guess the Chinese financial regulators actually regulate all these exchanges. Right. Sometimes they just ban IPO, mm. okay, to make sure that the index doesn't fall. <laughs> so it's a, it's a very. Do you think these new IPO candidates are not investable? Mm. Not necessarily, right? Mm. The bigger game for on Beijing's agenda is to make sure that the society has stability, if not common prosperity. So, anything against that goal or maybe deviate from that goal is mm. not on their agenda. So, for for example, Alibaba was not listed in mainland China. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, all these tech companies were listed in U.S. and some of them may list again in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. but uh, ordinary Chinese people don't have access to this like the top ten, the best companies in China. Right. Why is that? Um, Beijing government's agenda. They, they they don't mean to make these investors better. They're mm -hmm. trying to avoid uh, scammy schemes that actually target this the average people right. on the countryside. So I think that's their main main concern. Right. Got it. So last question. What is your biggest, I would call, non-consensus idea regarding either China or the industry you work in? Non-consensus. Wow. I think I have two two uh, sides. One on China, one on crypto. Okay. Maybe I will, I will start with crypto first. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of people think crypto is full of scams. Mm -hmm. I disagree. And. Uh, a crypto, in a way, is actually very interesting. It's very similar to venture capital. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you are a venture capitalist and you're investing in Chinese internet companies, mm -hmm. so the way it works is that you look at hundreds of companies, hundreds of thousands of companies, you invest in probably like hundreds of them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and most of them fall apart. Mm -hmm. You can't really say that because this company may have the probability to fall apart, then you don't invest in them. Right. It's called venture capital for a reason. Mm -hmm. Right. So crypto is just happened to be an asset class that when the company started, 
they can have their token listed right away. Right. So so basically, the way it works is that they do IPO before they start the business. <laughs> it's actually reverse. Right. Okay. So that gives everyone, every single individual, to have the access to make their own decision if you want to invest in company or not. Mm. And why is that volatile? Okay. Think about this. If you were investor of Uber in the early days, when they launched the first city, you know it's great. So the share price go up. When they launch the second city, like a band, the share price half. Yeah. Right. So it's very volatile. It's very natural. It's volatile. It's the first and second city, right? Mm. You invest in SpaceX. SpaceX fell, 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 fell again, right? <laughs> so, but is that a good company? Five years later, yes, it is a good company. So I think it's very similar to traditional venture business. But somehow it's all presented in the share price movement of the tokens. Right. So the non-consensus view is that I do believe there are a lot of projects in the crypto space have very very strong fundamental and a very good team, very quality business model and sustainable growth. And these guys will definitely shine. And that's the main thesis of my fund's investment. So we look at this all coins, roughly market cap between 50 to 150 million. Mm-hmm. So that's the roughly the space we look at and we believe there are a lot of huge tech giants will emerge out of this space. We're bet on the, the, the sustainable crypto future. Right. So that's the crypto part, non-consensus. Mm-hmm. And for China, yes, a lot of uh, negative uh, sentiments over the last two years. Mm-hmm. But I actually believe China is actually coming back. Mm-hmm. It's gradually coming back in a way that Beijing government is trying to fix all the relationship with all different governments, despite how what other people may think of China. Mm-hmm. Right? They are trying their very, very best. Uh, one. Two, we are also seeing that real estate is not necessarily bottom, bottoming out, but uh, local governments and all these uh, central governments are trying different approaches to solve the problem uh, gradually without actually spiking the real estate price. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that for China is good, very good for long term. And mm-hmm. three, if you look at real consumption data, I'm sure Baiguan has a lot of data to share with our audience. Mm-hmm. But if you get to visit China in person, and you can see the people you know walking on the street, what things they are buying, and uh, do they travel, or do they travel much, or do they consume, and uh, or do they work? Uh, the, I think the consumption, the sentiment is actually picking up, yeah. as we can probably see in the Q3, and pro- hopefully in Q4 numbers as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we are, uh, we're definitely returning back to the to a normal track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, it's a great talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, thank you for having me.